What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. The Yappy Program on WVNN. So I'm trying, I'm trying to make sure I get this correctly here, at least according to the mainstream media. And according to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Oc, as I call her, AOC, in her world, no one is responsible for their own actions, except white men, of course they are. And in her world, everyone is a victim of society and, you know, a victim of the system, except Christian conservatives. You know, forgot about that. Did I get that right? I think I think that sums it up, right? How we're supposed to be now. We're all victims. Well, not all of us, because white men are never victims. They're, they are responsible for their own actions. In fact, they are, if they defend themselves in any kind of way, they should be. Unless you're gay, and then you're kind of okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. God, see, this is why I asked. I had to get this to get this straight. If you're a gay white man, that kind of explains why there's a lot of people who want to claim they're LGBTQ in some way. Because there we go. Yeah, victimhood is prized above all else. And if you're a straight white, so I should say straight white man. If you're a straight white man, you're you're responsible for your own actions. If you're LGBTQ plus apostrophe i don't know um then then you're not there's a reason why i'm bringing this up and we'll talk about it in a moment there's a situation that happened in new york city yesterday that the left including aoc are trying to make the next george floyd situation there's already been protests there over this um turns out the situation is a little bit more complicated than aoc is trying to make it out which you would have Duh, of course that was going to happen. But we'll, we'll discuss that. You are listening to the Yaffe Program. This is the show where you can count on the latest news, the important guest, and the best analysis, all for your morning commute. Here on News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Copper is here as well. You heard her already. Good morning, Copper. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. All right. Got what's trending? I do. Later on. Sounds good. It, looks, it sounds like... Are you prepared at all for it? (laughs) (laughs) We'll be presently. (laughs) Good. All right. So we got that coming up later. So the story I'm talking about, um, just going to read this from the New York Post. It says there's shocking video that shows a New York City subway passenger putting a a man in a deadly chokehold. Now, of course, the passenger is a white marine veteran and the person who was in a chokehold is black so we're going to make this about race and george floyd aoc and them are already trying to do this but as i just mentioned it's a little bit more complicated than that when you look into the details it says here dramatic new video shows a shows uh somebody on a passenger taking matters into his own hands pinning down an unhinged man in a deadly incident at a Manhattan subway station this week. Now, the 24-year-old passenger stepped in after the vagrant, and I'm reading this from the New York Post, identified by sources as Jordan Neely, 
who's 30 years old, began going on an aggressive rant on a northbound F train Monday afternoon. Uh, According to a freelance journalist who was there, he starts to make a speech. He started screaming in an aggressive manner. He said he had no food. He had no drink, that he was tired and doesn't care if he goes to jail. He started screaming all these things, took off his jacket, a black jacket that he had, and threw it to the ground. That's when he said uh, someone else came up behind Neely and took him to the ground in a chokehold, keeping him there for some 15 minutes. Now, the approximately three-minute-and-a-half-long video shot by Vasquez shows the blonde subway rider lying on the floor of the train with his arm wrapped around the man's neck. The train was stopped with the doors opened at Broadway Lafayette Street, and then they called 911. The passenger was killed. Now, Neely, who was living on the streets and had a history of mental health issues, lost consciousness after being put in the chokehold, and EMS workers at the station were unable to revive him. Police and law enforcement sources said um, they say the person was a Marine veteran. He was taken into custody and later released without charges. There is still an investigation going on to this. Um, So it says video taken later shows the man flailing his arms and legs in an effort to free himself. Now, the details that I want to mention here is apparently this guy. Yes, he did did have a history of mental health issues, but apparently he also been arrested some 40 times, many times for assault and other things. And so it could be that this is a case of self-defense. But what's happening here, and this is one of those situations where I feel like everyone is being wrong. Everyone is getting this incorrect, how they're reacting to this. You seem to have one side, the left, who is acting like this person was just an innocent victim wasn't doing anything wrong. They're posting pictures of him dressed as Michael Jackson and dancing. And they said he loved to dance. They're ignoring some of the other details that he apparently is a very dangerous man who has had history with the police before and been arrested multiple times. They're going to put those details. They're not going to say those because they want to make it seem like he's just a saint who was viciously assaulted by this evil white Marine. But I do have to admit, I look at people on the right, some people on the right, they're automatically saying this Marine is a hero for what he did. That not only is he innocent, but he's a hero. He should be praised as a hero for taking this guy down. And I'm not sure that's correct either. But you know what? It might be. The thing is, we really don't know all the details yet. There is an investigation going on there could be more details to this to suggest that it really was self-defense that he did this because he really did fear for his life and the lives of other of other people on the train around him and this is what he did and did not intend to kill him it might be that he took it too far it might be that it's manslaughter all of these things are possible but, of course, because we lived in, live in such polarized times, we're all divided on everything, we have to have one point or the other. You either have to have the point that this guy was an innocent victim, not only a victim of this man, but a victim of society and a victim of capitalism. And I'm not reaching too far. That's basically what AOC is saying here. And then you have the other side that basically said, no, he should have been killed. He's a hero. 
This, this guy, this Marine's a hero because their lives were threatened. And I can't go that far because obviously I don't want to see someone die, even if they are mentally ill, even if they do have a history of criminal activity. I don't want to see them killed. Maybe it was self-defense, though. What I'm saying is it's probably a good idea to wait for all the facts on this one. But AOC definitely did not. AOC tweeted this out, said Jordan Neely was murdered. We don't know if that's the case. At the very, it could just be manslaughter, but we don't even know if it was intending to kill the guy. But no, no, murdered, she says already. She says, because Jordan was homeless and crying for food in a time when the city is raising rents and stripping services to militarize itself while many in power demonize the poor, the murderer gets protected with passive headlines and no charges. It's disgusting. So this guy, he's just a victim of society and really a victim of capitalism because rents are going up. And because of that, even if he's like, being very, very aggressive to passengers on the subway and has a criminal record. No, no, no. He's still a victim. He can't possibly ever be responsible for his own actions. No, no, no. Like I said, the only people that are responsible are white men. This Marine veteran, he's responsible for his actions. But Jordan Neely is not responsible for his actions, apparently. Now, um, I do want to point out that the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, was asked about this. And he's getting blasted for what he said here. But I think he's correct. He's wrong about a lot of other stuff he's saying on other issues, which we'll get to later on in the show. But go and play the first Eric Adams cut I sent you, uh, Copper, because he was asked about this situation specifically. Here it is. So one of the reasons that this uh, story is really hitting a nerve is because this man uh, appeared to be having mental health issues. This is something that you've talked a lot about. But I want to read to you. This is a response from the comptroller, Brad Lander. He tweeted this. New York City is not Gotham. We must not become a city where mentally ill human can be choked to death by a vigilante without consequence. There's also this from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democratic congresswoman. She said, Jordan Neely was murdered. What is your response to what they're saying here? Well, uh, both the Congress, Cong- Congresswoman and uh, the controller, uh, the controller is a citywide leader. And I don't think that's very responsible at the time where we're still investigating the situation. Let's let the DA uh, conduct his investigation with the law enforcement officials uh, to really interfere with that is not the right thing to do. And I'm going to be responsible and allow them to do their job and allow them to determine exactly what happened here. I mean, that's the correct approach. That is how you respond. We don't have all the details. Let's let the investigation happen. No one is, at least most people are not happy that someone was killed here. But as the mayor, you have to say, okay, it could be self-defense. There could be more extending circumstances that led up to the situation. We just don't know. But for a congresswoman and a city official to automatically say it's murder and vigilante justice or something without knowing those things is irresponsible. And he's exactly right, I think. What do you think? I mean, they're, they're going to try. They're already protesting. They're trying to make this about George Floyd. It's going to be the same type of stuff. Hopefully it doesn't lead. Now I see AOC posting about how the police are um, setting up 
perimeters in the area to prevent riots. And they're saying, no, the police are going too far. They're militarized and all this stuff. It's ridiculous. So, but they're going to try to make this into a bigger situation. Tell me what you think on the hot take text line, 925-494-9866, 925-494-WVNN. That is the WVNN hot take text line. One person did tweet at me and said, not only are straight white males responsible for their own actions, they're responsible for everyone else's actions as well. <laughs> it seems to be the way it is in today's world for sure. Coming up next, we do have the Alabama bullet points. At the bottom of the hour, we're actually going to speak with uh, Christian Horn because there's a pretty crazy story coming out of the, the state legislature today that he called me and he's like, I have to talk about this. Then in the next hour, we're going to speak with an expert on the economy who wants to talk about the debt ceiling fight. So much to get to on the show today. We will next on WVNN. It's the Yappy Program on WVNN. Welcome back to the Yaffe Program here on Newstalk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Always appreciate you joining the show today. Let's get to the headlines right now. We got, once again, those Alabama bullet points. Alabama bullet points. Today's headlines from around the Yellowhammer State. Sponsored by Larry's Pistol and Pawn. Number four today, Tucker Carlson will be in Oxford, Alabama today. Ticket sales really picked up when he got fired, as you would suspect. His former employer is still trying to smear him, as you've seen after they've fired him. Keep releasing videos or leaking videos to Media Matters and other places. Now, his appearance is for Rainbow Omega, which is a faith-based nonprofit organization Um, That provides vocational and residential programs to adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, Some are already complaining that Tucker Carlson's going to be there. I don't know if there will be any protests or anything like that, but be interesting to see what Tucker says when he is in Alabama. I'm sure he has a lot to say, although he might not be allowed to say too much when it comes to him being fired. But, But we'll find out. Number three today, Alabama Democrats and State Senator Tom Butler are now saying his bill that would save the Saturn 1B rocket at a rest stop on I-65. They're saying it actually changes the Alabama Monument Preservation Act and makes it harder to tear down historical markers. Now there are calls to remove the monument part from the bill and just protect the rocket. So there have been calls to protect this rocket. We had someone on this show who's leading an effort here in Huntsville to protect the rocket. There are others who say, suggest that it should be torn down, replaced with something else, maybe a model of something else. I suggested maybe like a mock-up of the SLS because that would be that would be pretty cool to see. But if they can save this rocket, I would be I would not be against that either. But it looks like the Alabama Monument Preservation Act might. It's kind of added a wrinkle to a lot of this here. Number two, are we going to get a tax rebate check? Well, it looks like if we do, it's not going to be for $400. It will be just for $100. 
By the way, still not sure if we're going to get a tax cut for groceries. Still not sure if we're going to get school choice. Still not sure on some of the other stuff, but we might get a $100 rebate check. I hope you all feel better. This will allow the Republicans who have been talking about a rebate to deliver one, but it would lower its cost from $1 billion to $275 million. I've said from the beginning that they're going to compromise on a rebate. There are some who don't want anything. There are others like me who want permanent tax relief. And I really thought at the end of the day, they would go with Kay Ivey's plan and say, well, we'll compromise and give a one-time rebate. But of course, now the rebate's going to be low. They're saying the rebate that she wanted is just too high. All right, number one today, Democrat State Representative Wadalyn Givan cites a Jay-Z song to refer to Alabama's lone black GOP lawmaker as an N-word. Kid you not, this is what has been going on. She should be censured and expelled, I think, but that's just me. I also suggested that maybe she was doing something like this on purpose so she would be expelled and then try to get a bunch of media attention like the Tennessee Three did. Would not surprise me. Now, she was referencing a song by hip-hop artist Jay-Z. She indirectly referred to black GOP House member State Representative Kenneth Paschal as an N-word. Um... This happened during Tuesday debate on a bill that would codify U.S. Supreme Court definitions of parental rights into Alabama law. Pascal, as you know, is the only black member of the Republican Party in the Alabama legislature. Gavan aggressively told Pascal a particular song applied to him and his role in the legislature, which is, I know, crazy. By the way, if this were reversed, can you imagine if Gavan was a Republican and Pascal was a Democrat? Everyone would be saying it's racist. So I I tweeted out about this and our good friend Christian Horn, who hosts the sports church on our sister station, the Yump, he called me and he's like, I got to get on and talk about this. He is he is on fire about this. He is very upset about this. He thinks she should be punished in some way. So we'll talk to him in the next segment. Kind of a big story here. Do you want to tell you about the sponsor here real quick right now? It is Larry's Pistol and Pawn. I keep mentioning that Mother's Day is just around the corner. Father's Day is next month. And if you're just not sure what to shop for, where to shop, well, you can go to Larry's Pistol and Pond in Madison off Greenbrier Exit 3 by the big rusty water tower, 18,000 square foot. And they have lots of jewelry. And I talk a lot about the women's jewelry. They have men's jewelry as well. So if you're looking to shop for Father's Day, you can find watches and other men's jewelry there at Larry's Pistol and Pond. Find out more info at pistolandpond.com, pistolandpond.com. Tell me Yaffe sent you. You're listening to Yaffe on WVNN. We're back here on the Yaffe program. News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Um, I was talking about in my Alabama bullet points. They're a little bit. What Waddle and Gavan said, am I, I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right. I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. But State Representative Gavan said she was citing a Jay-Z song to refer to Alabama's lone black GOP lawmaker as an N-word. And part of the song says, you're going to always be one when you walk up in here. That's how the song goes. So it's like an indirect way of not only just 
calling him the N-word, but basically calling him an Uncle Tom kind of thing is what he was, what she was kind of going for there. Now, as I mentioned, it was during Tuesday's debate on a bill that would codify U.S. Supreme Court definitions of parental rights in Alabama law. House Democrats delivered a series of argumentative remarks towards Pascal, the bill's sponsor. Um, then she got up, gets up, references the song, quotes part of the song. At one point, Pascal attempted to object to House Speaker Pro Tem Chris Pringle who presided over the House in Speaker Nathaniel Wedbetter's absence. However, Pascal's attempted objection was spoken over by Gavan, who continued to talk for her allotted 10 minutes. And apparently, Wedbetter has been made aware of this, uh, said they are aware of the situation and conversations had taken place to address the behavior. Pascal uh, did not respond to any requests for comment. House Minority Leader Anthony Daniels also has not responded as of yet. So I posted this story on my social media. My initial reaction is I thought I was thinking she was doing this on purpose because the trend now is to say something so outlandish that you get expelled or censured and then you get a bunch of attention from the mainstream media. This happened in Tennessee with the Tennessee Three. Also happened with that uh, transgender lawmaker, I believe. um, Was that in Minnesota? Montana. uh, Montana. I knew it was one of the M states. Montana. So yeah. And so I posted this, and my buddy Christian Horn, who was host of the Sports Church uh, on our sister station, The Ump, also former candidate for Secretary of State, you're pretty fired up about this. Yeah, yeah. I also am uh, one of the guys who have been appointed by the uh, ALGOP, John Wall, our mm-hmm. chairman, to be responsible with Pascal in terms of outreach uh, and all the elements of trying to expand and grow the party. So for me, this is a situation that is cut and dry. This is actually something that I talk about all the time. It's when uh, crabs in a barrel actually start pulling each other down. And this is the direct attack against black Republicans and people who happen to look like me and look like her. So it's really deeper because she's a part of the elite. She's not just a legislator she happens to be a member of what we call the alpha kappa alpha sorority and the divine nine which is the super elite of the top 10 percent in the black community Hmm. and so there is a line in the sand of this type of behavior because you're expected to uphold uh all the righteousness of a great sorority like aka my mother's a delta my daughter's delta my father's omega cousins are aka so for her to go out and do this publicly on the floor reduces the 100-year-old-plus traditions of the elite in the black community. So I really hope that those people who are in her sorority nationwide, a global organization, will reach out to her with sternness to understand that this behavior of attacking other people, other black people, is beneath what that great organization stands for. Do you think they will, though? I think that when I say that or other AKAs, Deltas and Divine Nine understand that she's attacking not just a black man. She's attacking a veteran who happens to be black, a father who happens to take care of his child, a man who is putting a bill together, who's presenting a bill to hope that other uh, black men and women and white men and women will be better caretakers of their children. That's what she's trying to shoot down. She's trying to shoot down a man who's out here trying to reduce 
crime in communities. She has won the the Democrat Party in Alabama has won the highest death tolls uh, of gun violence in Alabama, period. She recently was a part, I think, of going down to Daveville, Alabama. She's trying to raise her profile. She's trying to do the things that will make her uh, somewhat vainglorious. But it shows an insecurity that she has. And it's an embarrassment uh, for the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority to have a member who's an elected member of the state legislature to reduce herself beneath the standards of they, those that they initiate, those that they pledge, and those that have high expectations of her. I'm disappointed, and the Divine Nine will be truly disappointed to know that she did not attack people who did not look like her, but she attacked someone who looked like her, someone who comes from a similar community who happens to be black, and tried to call him what she did. She called him the N-word on the house floor so the inference that is there still one still one don't matter how you come in here when you leave here you are still one that means you're still a n-word and so it was bigger than that she conflated it into scripture in which she said when jay-z pinned that song he pinned that song for such a time as this is what mm-hmm. she said. And as you all know, that is a reference quote yeah. to what we see in the Bible. So this is a very embarrassing moment, but this is the exact opportunity while I have been screaming across the state when I ran for Secretary of State, when I tell Republicans in D.C. and tell Republicans in Alabama and every uh, GOP committee, this is why you have to commit to expanding your outreach to people who look like me and people who understand that it's not okay for you to sit back. And the people who were in Tennessee, they did us a disservice because they created the Tennessee Three. They're the ones, we, the GOP, the Republicans, we created them because we didn't have a Christian horn to stand up and say, you're garbage. You're hot garbage by the way you're treating this situation, ex- exacerbating the race card, trying to use guns and violence as the opportunity. And she's doing the same thing in the state house. Mm-hmm. Whether or not she's trying to raise her profile nationally, I see that she's a, you know, she's a, a beautiful person. You know, she's a, she's a beautiful woman. Physically, she wears a lot of makeup, great clothes, great smile, all of those things. But my sisters, my mother, my my, my nieces who may have been uh, a member of her sorority and cousins and family members, they're going to be extremely hurt that she would reduce herself to a song that was, number one, anti-Semitic because it had lines in the song that exacerbated uh, against Jews. And yep. it kept on referring to uh, the N-word as something that you'll always be. Not you'll always be a Christian. Not when you wake up and be a Christian. Not when you come into the room, you'll always be a Christian. But instead, she puts it as an N-word, and Pascal is taking the brunt of that. I can tell this had a nerve with you, too, because this is something you've had to face as a black yes. Republican, right? Unfortunately, too many times. I mean... Another example of that is what's going on with Clarence Thomas right now. Same you know, thing. It's like this, you know, oh, well, you're black, but you're a Republican. Oh, you must be bought by a white person. It's deeper, but it's deeper than that. Don't be a black man and happen to be a man and don't, don't use race as a projective. And let's say you date a, a person who's white or you have children with a person who's white or you're married to a white woman, as is Clarence Thomas and, and, as, and Pascal. Pascal's mm-hmm. daughter is half white. So the reality is she's not just attacking his political party. She's attacking his blackness and basically saying you're not really black. You know, my mama just was in the back of a bus, okay? My mother went to a school that was all black. My mother is from Birmingham. She grew up around the corner from 16th Street Baptist Church where those four little girls were killed. Hmm. She has, Ms. Gavan, has no authority. But what's happening, Republicans have to get tough and call on people like myself 
and Pascal because they see a white face come for her and try to attack her and suspend her. Then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, that's just a white man coming after me. Well, I need her to know that I'm here for you, sis. I will come after you in love and peace and confidence knowing that you just made the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority a place that no one wants to call home because you denigrated the one of the most precious pearls the divine nine. So how should the legislature respond to this? Well, they should allow me to come down there and get on the House floor. Okay. There you go. That's a way to respond. I'm I'm, guessing they should allow Pascal to do that as well. Well, Pascal could do that, but I don't know whether or not it would give him the spectacularness that he deserves to be above it. So a Mm -hmm. part of you, you want to rise above it and not give it the attention that will give the national attention that it deserves. What you want is outside people to be able to say this is wrong. Not just Republicans, but Democrats. Can you imagine if someone went on the floor and said that about her? White? That would have been national attention. But see, what they're doing across the country, they're intimidating white people. And they're being Mm -hmm. very successful at it because you don't have a counterpart who's black, who can stand up to black people and say, you're wrong and you're a racist. Okay, yeah. because even though he's a black man, he she probably was, you know, making like of hip hop music. I know hip hop music. I come out of the culture of hip hop music. I see what she's doing here and what she's doing absolutely deserves her to be removed. If, if it's from a committee, if it's from, you know, a stance in the house, she may not get expelled. She has a free speech. I don't want her free speech to be ignored either. You have a free speech. She can be censured, though. Yes. Yeah, so you have. A, here's the thing about free speech. I believe in total free speech. Like, I want to say the word N word on this radio station. Because I need to be able to say, hey, listen, this is what's said from a journalistic standpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm not amplifying the word, but I can't even say the N-word to talk about what she is saying. I know. So I believe in free speech. And I definitely can. <laughs> yeah. I believe in free speech, but at the same time, there comes penalty with free speech. Can you take the heat? And I don't need Sam Gavan or Tom Butler or, or, or Anthony Daniels. I mean, Anthony Daniels, Laura Hall. Laura Hall was my high school teacher. You're going to let her get away with that? Hmm. On the floor? I hope he doesn't. I hope he's. No, uh, we need to it. stop playing games with Democrats. Stop trying to hold their hands. Stop being their friends. If we're going to do this, if we're going to allow her to denigrate other black men and take away their masculinity and devolve them when he's trying to uplift parenthood, he has yeah. a bill that will protect kids, and she's trying to deflect. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a partisan bill. It I shouldn't mean, be partisan. Should, it should be. But it something should, both sides agree. But on. it should be something that she represents herself better. Mm-hmm. Because I love the women of AKA and what they represent, not politically, because they're about uplift, they're about a standard, they are about greatness and excellence and how you carry yourself. She fell well beneath that. And so her sorority would have to deal with her on that. But she wears the the pen. I've seen her wear the, the ivy flowers. As they know, that's her calling card. Because that's the same sorority that the vice president belongs to. Mm-hmm. OK, so th- what you don't understand is there's an undercurrent of bringing this to a street level saying when you sit down, you'll still be one. Every time I say the word one, just put in the N word. When you sit down, you'll still be one. That when was what up, was referenced still be one. Yeah, that's that's what Jay-Z was doing. Mm-hmm. So Jay-Z was devolving the culture and understanding the culture characteristics of using the N word to make certain in this song called uh, basically a, a story of O.J., Okay, Mm -hmm. and then she even said the story of OJ, a light skin, dark skin, you still be one. This is extremely offensive. What's racist? It's straight up racist. And and racism goes both ways. People say a black person can't be racist. You say she's saying this about a black man. Yeah, she's dehumanizing him. I don't know what else to call it other than racism. That's what it is. Well, it's also a devaluation of what it means to be black in America and not be a liberal. Mm -hmm. Even Barack Obama should come out and say that's wrong. 
Oprah Winfrey needs to say that's wrong because they know that's wrong. It's a difference between having an ideological difference than calling someone essentially a coon, an N word, mm-hmm. a bucky back, whatever you want to do. But here I have to say to the Republican Party if you don't get more serious, about grandstanding instead of trying to put a face. I'm not here to be your friend just because I'm black. You have a black friend. I'm here in times like this because what I understand deeply is there is a culture that's to kill me and, and Clarence Thomas and anyone else who dares not to be a liberal. If, in fact, my Christian brothers and sisters don't stand up right now, mm-hmm. because if you want to do something, I will still be a Christian when I wake up. I'll still be a Christian when I sit down. So I don't have to be an N-word. I can be a believer. I can still, and he can still, as Pascal is, a great believer who's trying to uphold this great state by saying we more we want more parents to be more accountable to their children. That will help us reduce crime and violence. Here she is. When we have dead bodies in Dadeville, we have dead bodies in Birmingham every single day, and she wants to use this distraction from the fact that black families are failing. Black women are trying the best they can to raise their kids in single-parent households. But black families are failing, and these young men are growing up as feminized boys and are killing each other, not knowing how to use their aggression. That's why she belongs to a sorority like AKA. That's why Omega Sci-Fi, A5A, Phi Beta Sigma, that's why they're there to help groom men and partner like men with Pascal, who on the bill that would strengthen what they stand for as a sorority, as a black fraternity. She's an alum of Miles College. So I don't understand why, but I understand how she did what she did. And it's hurtful to me. No. So I won't I don't want to come and make this me against her. But this is the reason why the Republican Party better step up. Or they're going to lose good people. Because when you attack people like me and people who look like Clarence Thomas on the basis of just we happen to be black and conservative, then you can't recruit other black people and conservative into your party because they're looking at you going, see, you're weak. You let the Democrats just call you the N-word basically on the state house floor. Hmm. So whether you are Ronald McDaniel, uh, Ronald McDaniel, I'm telling you right now, this is really, really dangerous. And if it wasn't also the fact that it's anti-Semitic in the song, the song was reduced to rubble because the Anti-Defamation League came out and said Jay-Z made anti-Semitic remarks in this song. So it's just not her using the N-word and, D and basically you know, making this an ode about her because it's all about her. She's insecure, clearly. But what is also there is is anti-Semitic remarks, and that should be a part of saying you just quoted from a song that was actually uh, banned in the words of those who were in the Anti-Defamation League. That's the reason yeah. why she should be removed, yeah. not just because of what she did here. It's racist on multiple levels. So, Christian Horn, I know um, you're going to talk more about this on your show later on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got, I got three hours. Yeah, you got three hours. I got three hours, hours a day. Uh-huh. 103.9 FM. I uh-huh. got three hot hours for those who want that take, and I'm uh, out of here. Uh, yeah, I don't blame, I don't blame it. I, he, call, he called me, he's fired up, and I'm like, well, come on the show, man. <laughs> I want you to talk about it, and he did. So uh, we, we can get your reaction to that on the hot take text line, talk more about this and see what happens. Maybe they will invite him. Maybe they will invite him to speak on the floor of the house. Uh, that would be something to see. Um, we have the local news update coming up next. Much more to get to on the Yaffe Program. Stay with us. The Yaffe Program. Time now for a local.
local news update brought to us by our news partners at Way 31 TV. This morning, is it, uh, I forget, is it Megan that's joining us? Megan Reyna. Yes, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, how are you today? I am good. I'm good. Uh, we are covering uh, a big story today for you all. In a matter of about an hour or so, uh, one of North Alabama's most notorious accused killers and escapees, will be in court. Uh, the judge will lay out the framework for how to proceed with Casey White's felony murder trial for the death of former jailer Vicki White. So I'm sure y'all oh, recognize yeah. that mm-hmm. name. Now, among the issues before the judge today, two motions from White's lawyers. One of them asked the court to try White's, White's case outside Lauderdale County over fear. So many people are familiar with the case that he won't get a fair trial there. Another motion asked the judge to dismiss the felony murder charge because Vicki White did commit suicide. Um, so, again, we are going to be in the courtroom for that pretrial hearing. Uh, it was set to start around 10. We're hearing that it's going to start more around 11 a.m. this morning. Okay, and I know you'll have uh, breaking coverage of that throughout the day on your newscast at 11, of course, at waytv.com. Any other stories for us today? Yes, yeah, so we. this is actually new at midday as well. There was a pedestrian hit and killed in Madison this morning. This happened off of Wall Triana Highway. Now, we haven't heard from Madison Police. The office confirmed through um, Hemsey. Uh, we just know that one person did die on the scene early this morning around 4.30. So we're working to learn if the driver's cooperating, if they could be facing any charges. Um, again, just trying to get information from Madison Police. But... Um, that um, unfortunate, but happened early this morning there in Madison. Yeah, and I know you'll have more details once the police give you more details later on. Megan mm-hmm. Reno with our news partners at Way 31 TV. Find out more about these stories at waytv.com and their newscasts at 11. Megan, I always appreciate it. You have a good one. Talk to you again tomorrow. Talk to you again. Bye-bye. I want to tell you guys about the sponsor here real quick right now, Regenesis Stem Cell Center. Um, if you've listened to this show at all, you know that I have dealt with back problems for most of my life. And, um, you know, you try different things. Some things kind of help, but you don't want to be in pain for your life, especially, you know, as young as I am. I wasn't supposed to have these back issues at this age, but I, but I did, but I don't really anymore. And that's because of Regenesis Stem Cell Center. They did their stem cell treatment on my low back, my mid back, and my neck area. And I actually want to go back because I need to get it done on my shoulders as well. It's amazing how much it has worked. The issues that I used to have when I would walk for long periods of time or work out or sit in the car for a long drive, I noticed, especially in the past few months, I've done those things, expecting my back to be in a lot of pain afterwards. And it's totally fine. That can only be because of my friends at Regenesis Stem Cell Center. They have helped so many people like me. It's an easy procedure. They use your own body stem cells to take away the pain. And you'll be back to work in no time. I was back to work the next day, feeling better every day. You can have that as well. I want you to contact them today. Go to the website, RegenesisStemCell.com. RegenesisStemCell.com. You can talk with Dr. Charles Lee. He is Alabama's leading stem cell physician. He's also a great patriot as well. Go to RegenesisStemCell.com. Their office is located right here in Huntsville. It's off Whitesburg Drive in Huntsville. I want you to go today, make an appointment, get the pain taken away. And when you do, as always, you make sure to tell them Yaffe sent you. So according to our own Treasury Secretary, 
on June 1st, we might not be able to pay our own bills if we don't raise the debt ceiling. Now, I'm bringing on an economic expert in the next segment, Jonathan Bidwack, who agrees with me. The real problem isn't the debt ceiling. The real problem is the debt. But of course, the president and the Democrats don't want to seem to admit that. So we'll talk about that and much more to get to on the Yaffe program. One more hour to go. Back in a sec. The Yaffe program on WVNN. So looking at some of the breaking news when it comes to the economy, um, one one yesterday was breaking yesterday. The Fed has increased the rates a quarter point, but they are signaling possibly a pause after this recent Fed rate hike. The other breaking news that happened in the past week is uh, Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, saying they might not be able to pay all of their bills as of June 1st because of the debt ceiling. Um, gosh, there was a headline yesterday, and this comes up every time now with the debt ceiling thing, but they're thinking about uh, minting a trillion dollar coin, that their way around this would be to mint a trillion dollar platinum coin. This is this is this crazy stuff. So we're going to talk about this same more right now on the Yaffe program. Appreciate y'all joining me on the show today. Also joining me today, Jonathan Bidlock. He is uh, with the R Street Institute. He wrote an op-ed in 2021 that is still very, very relevant today. It's something that I say on the show all the time. The headline was, the debt limit isn't the problem, spending is. It's like what I've been saying, the debt ceiling isn't the problem, the debt is the problem. Jonathan is joining me on the show right now. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, uh... This debt ceiling fight, what what are your thoughts on what Janet Yellen said that they might not be able to pay the bills after January for or June first? Well, I mean, I look, I think it's disconcerting. I mean, you know, we should be clear that, that you know, the debt limit ultimately does need to be raised. Uh, and so, you know, I, it always makes me uncomfortable, I think, when, when you know, members or there are people who, who don't necessarily recognize recognize that. All of that said, however, um, it's also important to recognize that the history of budget and spending deals in this country um, is that is that, you know, these are the moments where those compromises and deals have ultimately been struck. Um, You know, when you go back to the 1980s, you know, Graham Rudman or the Budget Control Act in 2011 or what have you, all of these all of these forms of restraint came out of a, 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 you know, a debt limit impasse. And so uh, I do think that you know, this is pretty much as good a time to negotiate as any, and, and that's what the history of, of, of you know, these sort of deals uh, shows us. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there, because to me it's like, okay, isn't the point of the debt ceiling to get us to focus on spending, focus on cutting spending, get to a point where we realize the debt is just getting too high. If like, if we can't negotiate over the debt ceiling, then why do we have it? Right. Well, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, that the history, the history there is actually quite interesting. I mean, the, the debt limit was basically created uh, in back in World War One when Congress got tired of having to approve all of the new, you know, bonds that Treasury was issuing, 
And so they basically said, okay, we're going to let you go issue whatever debt you need up to this point. And so in a sense, the, the debt limit was actually created initially as a way of enabling more debt, not being a form of restraint. And so, you know, now fast forward, of course, uh, you know, 106 years and, uh, uh, you know, we basically now treat it as the only form of restraint that we have on the federal budget. And, and you know, if you look around the world or you look at the states, nobody else really does this. It's the United States and Denmark. Most, most countries instead say we're going to have a restraint on spending as a function of, you know, how much, how much tax revenue we expect to have. And so, uh, in a, in a way, I mean, the, the U.S. kind of does this backwards. And, and frankly, a lot of the other places in the world and, or even at the state level that, that put caps on spending, they tend to have much more responsible finances. So it's a, it's again, it's a very weird and, and, you know, uh, I don't know, anomalous kind of, uh, uh, kind of system that we have. And it, and I think it's part of the reason why, again, we have these discussions where, you know, one side says we need to go and we need to be serious about spending and about the debt. The other side says, oh, yeah, but we've already spent the money. We can't really go and, and screw around with that. And so, uh, you know, that's that, that's why we have the discussions we have. So it sounds like what you're saying is we need more of like a balanced budget amendment. You know, certain states require a balanced budget. You think something like that needs to exist on the federal level? Yeah, I think it's 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 not always as simple as a uh, you know balancing the budget every year uh, mm-hmm. because obviously there's the business cycle and there are fluctuations and so on and so it makes it you know can make it very difficult. But if you take Switzerland for example, which is kind of recognized as being the you know a, a, one of the most fiscally conservative countries in the world and has a, has a generally a very strong economy, um, you know that they they kind of have a system whereby they. They limit what can ultimately be spent again as a function of of how much you know how much revenue they have, and so um, that doesn't mean that they can't go over that or under that in any particular year. Um, there's there's sort of flexibility built into the system, but generally, I think you're right. I mean, there there needs to be we need to we need to start thinking about uh, spending decisions a little bit more in terms of trade offs um, and recognizing that if we're going to spend on one thing then maybe we can't spend on the other. Um, But instead, we sort of have a little bit more of this, you know, Santa Claus mentality where it's, you know, you get this present and he gets that present and she gets that present. And then the bill comes due and we vote to raise the debt limit. And we never actually have the discussion about uh, the the spending in the first place. Now, is that because the average person doesn't necessarily feel the debt? You know, if you if you talk to the average voter and you talk about the debt, it seems like this abstract thing that just kind of exists out there but doesn't affect their daily lives, even though it's starting to with inflation and economic growth not being as mm-hmm. strong as it is. But, but I mean, is, does that really explain why we can't seem to get a handle on this? I think it's a big part of it. I mean, to your point, right, if someone raises your taxes, you kind of know immediately, right? You, you, you feel that pinch. Um, but with spending, it tends to be a little bit more you know, removed from having that immediate impact. Uh, You know, obviously, as you just said, people still feel it when, you know, you end up in a high inflationary time or when interest rates rise and maybe not or the house you wanted, right? So there, so there are all these other kinds of, of impacts, but people don't necessarily, uh, I think, make the connection that, 
you know, government spending has has a role in that. Um, the other the other point I'll make here is that you know Colorado in particular uh, has a very interesting system. Um, it's called a Taxpayer Bill of Rights, where essentially what happens in in Colorado is that uh, if if spending is lower than expected, um, they actually refund it uh, to to taxpayers. Uh, and so it, what they've done is they've essentially created a little bit stronger connection between the, the overall level of spending and the benefit that citizens see as a result of it. I think that's kind of a cool idea, uh, and I think it's something that you know maybe there's a way to go and, and resolve the problem that you're pointing out by starting to make that make that connection between between how much we're spending and, and how it benefits the average person. Yeah, that's a, that is an interesting idea because one of the issues with getting a control of spending is it would take a constitutional amendment, right? If you wanted some kind of balanced budget law, it would need to be basically passed as an amendment. But it sounds like what you're talking about with what Colorado does, that's something Congress could just pass right now if they wanted to, right? Well, I mean, it could be done as a constitutional amendment. Uh, of course, the other option is always that, you know, if you have people sort of, uh, you know, demanding certain actions from their legislators, um, things can be done statutorily. I mean, you hmm. know, Sweden actually is, is probably my favorite example in this for this reason. I mean, you know, Bernie Sanders types always talk about how Sweden is this sort of uh, socialist paradise and what have you in a really generous social safety net. But actually, in the 1990s, uh, Sweden was facing an entitlement crisis, and they went and essentially implemented a a spending limit, um, and they did it not via you know some sort of constitutional amendment, but just by just by statute, um, and and they got their fiscal house in order. and And when you look at you know Sweden's finances and how they responded to you know the pandemic recently or um, the the two thousand seven two thousand eight financial crisis. They found their budget to be in a much better position because they had these rules in place, and and they were essentially just enforced by the fact that it's what people wanted. There were responsible elected officials who recognized the need for these kinds of reforms. So um, it can be done. It can be done via constitutional amendment. But the other option is to you know have people maybe rethink a little bit what the proper role of of government is, and and to recognize the very real uh, fiscal challenges. But unfortunately, we're not really to that point in this country at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that is an excellent point. Something else I've talked about, we need to get back to asking the question, is this the role of government? What is the role of government in whatever area we're talking about? We just kind of assume that the government can do whatever it's want, it wants, and we're kind of like, uh, we should be asking, is this the proper role of the federal government? Now, I understand as well that you're you're supportive of McCarthy's bill, the Republican bill that would raise the debt ceiling, but cut spending in other areas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, uh, Speaker McCarthy has actually done a pretty good job here. I mean, you know, I, I was quite surprised, and I think it is somewhat surprising, given how narrow the Republican majority in the House is, that he was able to unite the Republican conference yeah. and actually say, hey, you know, we have a package that we're supportive of. Um, you know, whether or not that goes anywhere in the Senate, of course, it's very unlikely. Um, but I think that from a strategic standpoint, 
um, it does change the discussion a little bit because it removes the ability for the president to just kind of play this game of, oh, the Republicans don't know what they're doing, and I, I want a clean debt limit increase, and, and that's it. And so, um, so you know, everything in that package is not necessarily something that I'm supportive of. A lot of it, again, the specifics aren't necessarily even going to ultimately be relevant in terms of what actually passes. But I do think that the fact that that they were able to achieve uh, some level of unity um, has has made it, it's changed the sort of uh, the chess match, if you will, uh, in a way that that will be slightly more favorable to to fiscal conservatives. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it changes it from they were complaining Republicans didn't have a plan, so they passed a bill, and now it's Democrats who don't have a plan. So it, it definitely changes the discussion. Before I let you go, any thoughts on this trillion-dollar coin idea? This is not the first time that's been brought up, but I see headlines talking about it again. Mint a trillion-dollar platinum coin to fix this problem. I'll tell you what. If they're willing to deposit it into my checking account, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm totally in favor. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it- I mean, look, I mean, people have talked about all of these types of gimmicks a, a, a lot, right? Like ways to get around the sort of uh, – the impasse that we're facing. And, that, and I think that the, the, the problem with ideas like this is that they don't really address the underlying problem, uh, both from a, you know, economic standpoint, but also a political one. I mean, we right now have, have two parties that by and large tend to just dig in um, and not really think about, you know, their role in a sense as being, you know, deal makers. Uh, and and you know and that and that's again part of the reason why I go back to I think Speaker McCarthy actually uh, being pretty reasonable here is that you know getting getting people on his side to recognize that hey our job is to go and uh, is to make a deal now it's sort of incumbent on the president to to do the same. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I don't know if a trillion dollar coin can fit in like a soda machine. Or something. I don't know <laughs> if they, how you would get your change back. I mean, just so many problems with that. Uh, Jonathan Bidwack, he is uh, with the R Street Institute. Really appreciate you coming on the show today. We'll we'll talk to you again in the future. Thanks again, Yaffe. Appreciate it. All right, there you go. Um, I, I think he's exactly right. Spending is the problem. At least Republicans change the conversation. But we really should ask in a lot of these cases: Is this the proper role of government? And I don't really hear that talk enough from conservatives. The left definitely isn't going to ask those questions, but conservatives aren't really focused on that as much either lately. Maybe they should be. Uh, We have much more to get to on the Yaffe program at the bottom of the hour. We have what's trending and so much more. We'll be back in a sec. You're listening to Yaffe on WVNN. So yesterday at this time, we were talking about well, it was yesterday or earlier this week. I don't know. So much news. It all runs together in my mind. Um, but anyway, we're talking about one of the other big issues that's uh, affecting our nation right now, the border crisis. And we played audio from Lori Lightfoot, who was complaining. She's the mayor of Chicago, complaining about Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, sending migrants to her city. Now, I asked the question, what did you think sanctuary meant? You said you're a sanctuary city, then you're mad that, okay, your migrants are using it as a sanctuary? But but it got even worse than that. So the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, he blasted Governor Abbott and said, well, he's just sending it to 
cities that have black mayors. Oh, you know, but you had to play the race card. They play the race card with every issue. Doesn't matter what the issue is, they're going to find a way to play the race card. Now, Eric Adams was asked about this on CNN, and he doesn't back down. He doubles down, even though he's wrong. Going to play uh, the second Eric Adams cut I sent you, Copper. Saying about Greg Abbott, he has been busing, even today, busing thousands of migrants to this city. But you said this week that he's sending them to black-led cities, your city, Washington, D.C., Chicago. Uh, Are you saying here that he is doing this because of the race of the mayor of the city? Well, let's be clear here. here. Uh, It it was placed in quotes on one of the front pages of our paper that I called him a racist. It was placed in quotes. I never said that. I mean, I didn't say that you called him a racist, but you said said he was sending it to all black-led cities. Right. right? I want to be clear. I I said the front pages of the Post, (laughs) not you. That's what they stated. What I'm making clear of the fact, not based on my opinion, he sent them to New York City, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Denver, but also all Philadelphia, of, which has a white mayor. All of the, all of the, I have not received any reports from <laughs> Philadelphia. I believe that he sent them to black cities. Oh, I mean, mayors where black mayors are. And I don't know if it's, if it's to undermine uh, these large cities that are run by black mayors because of his political agenda. I don't know if he's doing it before their race. I'm giving the facts of where he has sent them to Washington, D.C. Uh, I don't say this all the time, but good job on CNN there. That was a CNN reporter said, well, he also sent him to Philadelphia, which has a white mayor. <laughs> and he's like, uh, uh, I, I didn't I didn't hear any reports of that. <laughs> OK, totally debunked on his statement there. But it doesn't matter. I mean, they're, they're going to find a way to play the race card as much as they possibly can, because that's I don't know. It's all they did. Their playbook is class warfare, the race card, victimhood. I mean, they they just kind of pick one of one of those, and then it doesn't matter what the issue is, they'll they'll make it about that. I want to tell you about the sponsor here real quick right now, Soco Roofing and Restoration. You heard the weather report just a second ago. Uh, it's going to be dry today, but we're expecting a lot of storms, a lot of rain throughout the weekend. Well, if that's the case, you might get a lot of wind that could affect your roof. If you happen to get some storm damage on your roof, or if you have had storm damage in the past, you really should get that fixed. You don't want a bunch of water leaking in your ceiling, leaking into your house. Instead, you got to call the experts who, you know, they do storm damage repairs all the time. Soco Roofing and Restoration. The website is southernroofexperts.com. 256-663-4061 is the phone number. 256-663-4061. The website, one more time, southernroofexperts.com. They do roof installation and roof repairs. Call them today, and when you do, make sure to tell them Yaffe sent you. What's trending is next? The Yaffe Program. Welcome back to the Yaffe Program on Newstalk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. You know, before we get to what's trending, the, the top thing that's trending has got to be it's your birthday, Copper. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. On May the 4th, on Star Wars Indeed. Day. Is that part it's... of your what's trending? Did I ruin? Yep. Okay. Yep, that's fine. <laughs> People are probably seeing it around. It's a perfect day for me. So. 
I grew up on Star Wars. So what do you have planned for your birthday? Anything special? Yep. So this weekend, and you're getting dragged along. <laughs> uh, we're going up to Montesano uh, for, there's a Japanese festival up there. And then we're going to get lots of sushi. Okay. Good. Lots so, and lots. Now I, I'm thinking of getting one of those boats, you know, the ones that come with like 50 pieces of sushi on oh them. Oh my gosh. If I can convince everybody to pitch in on uh, it. Well, I was about to say, you're going to need some help eating that, exactly. right? Or are we pitching in and you're eating it all? Is that, <laughs> is that the no, plan? No, it's got to be eaten fresh. <laughs> okay. As much as I would like 50 pieces of sushi all to myself. No, couldn't do it, huh? Okay. Yeah. All right. That sounds like fun. Is it outside? The festival? The, the festival is, yeah. Hopefully it doesn't rain. That's right, right. I'm so the backup about. plan, if it if it rains, is to go see the D and D movie. Oh, okay. It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw it. it. It was really good. Cool. Wouldn't mind seeing cool, it cool. again. Yeah. And I'm not a D and D guy. Yeah, no. It's just a fun <laughs> yeah. action adventure fantasy movie. Yeah, you do not have to be a D and D person to yeah. to enjoy it. So, all right. Yeah. I guess we can get to the other stuff now. <laughs> What's trending with copper? Keeping you up to date with all that's trending in your world. Well, they have the internet on computers now. You guys know how to post videos to Facebook? It's What's Trending. Sponsored by Coleman Furniture Market. Tell you more about them in just a moment. All right, Copper, what's number five? All right, number five. Uh, why, why are tourists so dumb sometimes? Do your brain cells just kind of like sizzle out when you leave the country? <laughs> Maybe. Oh. Vacation mode. <laughs> On the airplane. Yeah. So in this case, a couple tourists went to Hawaii. They were trying to find a snorkeling company and have mm-hmm. some fun. And um, they followed their GPS directions and ended up at the harbor. So kind of on the right track. Um, drove out onto the pier. No, they <laughs> They did. But then they just kept driving. Oh, no. <laughs> they drove right into the ocean. Wow. And sank, of course. And then a sailboat passed by and is like, what on earth is going on? And he ends up pulling them out of the window. Um, oh, and they then survived good. They did, yes. Dear and Lord. They, a pickup guy uh, tried to attach a chain to the back of their car and pull it out, but it sank too fast. But they were fine, except for, you know, I think it was probably a rental car that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I hope they got insurance oh, on their rental car. Oh, my gosh. But why? Like, what? Idiot. So, oh, the GPS says it's over there. Let's drive into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> we're going. It's like, should we do this? I'm just following the GPS, honey. That's were where they, it says to go. Yeah, were they we can drive there. Just not looking, just looking at the GPS and just kept going. Whoops. I, <laughs> I have no idea. Like, when you started this story, I thought maybe that's where you're going with this. Yeah. But I was like, no. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. There's pictures <laughs> and everything. Hard proof. Wow. I mean, I'm terrible with directions. I don't think I'm that bad. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Where That's did funny. the common sense go? Into I the ocean, know. along I with the car. <laughs> How much you want to bet they bol- they like sue the GPS company for this somehow? Oh. They try to do that. Uh, what's number four? All right, number four. Coming up this summer is a highly anticipated event in Philadelphia. The Nude Bicycle Ride. Where it's exactly what you think. Bicyclists show up completely naked and ride for 10 miles around the city, including past hot tourist destinations and historical sites where everybody can see them flapping in the wind. Um, and apparently it's to draw attention to how we should conserve fuel and also just that nudity is cool and it's chill. <laughs> how what? do those two ideas go together at all? I don't know. 
but takes, we should both conserve fuel and be nude at the same time. That That's the moral of the story. Maybe takes fuel to make clothes or something <laughs> i don't know that's what it is that's they're that's where they're cutting down you know you were just saying the national <laughs> debt you got to cut something out all right clothes. we cut the clothes out <laughs> you know, they they drive their giant suvs there but they do it naked so they're good <laughs> you know, that yeah that feel the other way and then bike around <laughs> in the nude why uh, people lie? Yeah, why people lie is a great question. What's number three? All right, number three. A Michigan woman and a pug encountered some uh, strange company on a trail as they were hiking. It was two emus. Now, emus oh. are native to, I think, Australia? Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely not to Michigan. And these <laughs> no, emus no. were chilling out on this trail and giving it's not her the their state bird, the emu. Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't think anybody wants the emus for a state bird because they're aggressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they charged at this lady and chased her for half a mile oh. down the trail. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> with her poor little pug. She probably must have picked the pug up at some point because you know pugs well, that can't breathe on the best of days, let alone run half a mile being chased by crazy emus. Sorry, I'm just, yeah, I'm just picturing the pug trying to run. (laughs) Trying to breathe. (laughs) Trying to breathe and run away from an emu. (laughs) Two emus. (laughs) Emus are fast, from what I understand. I mean, I'm almost surprised she could have really got hurt. They look so weird when they run. The little roadrunner look. I know, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Do we know where they came from, the emus? Really don't. They haven't figured it out. She called the cops and n- nobody was injured. So was, the police were just kind of like, oh, okay, well, there's emus. <laughs> no one was hurt, so what it? are we supposed to do? Call animal control. <laughs> Hopefully they did. Somebody somebody was done with their pet emus yep. and mm-hmm. just chucked around the woods. Mm-hmm. Terrible idea, people. Yeah. What's number two? All right, number two. A woman quit her job after she started making four to five thousand dollars a month doing something very unusual dumpster diving apparently four to five thousand a month wow if you find a um designer good you Mm -hmm. can you can really cash in so kind of part of me wonders if she finds like nothing most of the time and then one find a month and then that just cashes in Although, Seems like harder work, you know, hard work. Right, yeah. right. You'd, you'd think, I hope she has a whole getup now, like a yeah. hazmat suit mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, just like people who work out in, you know, deep water. They got their rubber suits that they yep. just pull on all the way up. <laughs> Get one of those, lady. Uh, she has online auctions and she'll give some stuff to charity. And uh, so, she's, she's traveling now. She was from Quakersville, Pennsylvania, which is not the kind of area you would think to find, you know, lots of designer goods in their dumpsters. But now she travels around to, to rich people areas. I was about to, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Where is she going dumpster diving? And yeah. It seems like a good idea to go to the rich area. Not the same place every time. But they, they've got some sweet spots now that they'll go back to. Mm-hmm. Secret Secrets of okay. the trade, I'm sure. Okay. okay. It's kind of like Halloween where you find the neighborhood that gives out the big candy. Yeah, there you, you know, go. You and then find... you don't tell the other kids. You make a second run with a <laughs> yeah, different they, costume. Yeah. you got to find the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, already to number one. What is number one? Yes, well, it is May the 4th, so may the 4th be with you. Mm-hmm. Star, Star Wars, Wars Day. Day. Mm-hmm. I Excellent. heard today that it's actually an official state holiday in California now. <laughs> they, it's, they, they actually officially declared it Star Wars Day, like nice. a couple of years ago. 
I mean, I usually don't agree with anything California <laughs> does, but in this case, Here, I have okay. to say, mm-hmm. that's pretty great. I'm trying to remember when this started. There, there are conflicting stories, apparently, on who first really? started saying it. Uh, puns, internet puns, I'm sure, got passed around on Tumblr or something. I mean, it's literally something that started off trending on the internet. I yeah. Mean, it, yeah it's it's it. not something that's always existed with Star Wars. It did. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you wonder why Star Wars is just trending everywhere, that's that's why. Yeah. I know that Return of the Jedi is oh, in theaters oh, right yeah. now. Is it for their 50th? I think it's their thirtieth, or fortieth anniversary. Yeah, I'm trying to do math now. Lord, it's got to be their fortieth because it came out before yeah. I was born, right? Yeah, no, because because the first one came out in the in late seventies. I think yeah, the first one was like seventy nine. Okay, nineteen eighty three. So that would be forty. Forty, yeah. Yeah. Fortieth anniversary. I kind of want to go see it on the big screen. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Um, I did really like that one as a kid. Uh, it was probably Jedi and R- Return of the Jedi and um, Attack of the Clones that were my favorite. Really? A lot of I know hate that movie. That's that's not the the typical favorite, but I was five when I saw it. So or, or and you were like I don't know, probably more than five, maybe like eight, nine, ten. I don't know. Yeah, I think I was in high school when I saw it, and it was like, uh, I mean, everyone Yoda was doing lightsaber duels. Yeah, so that's yeah, what. <laughs> that was that was why you liked it, wasn't it? Exactly. For all the dumb humor, which which all the adults were cringing at, and now we can mm-hmm. all agree is just hilariously bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it is funny when you go back and watch something yeah. that you liked as a kid like that, and you're like, oh, I see now. Uh, <laughs> right? This is kind of not good. I what? like um, Empire Strikes Back is good. Mm-hmm. I like The Force Awakens. That's another oh, really? one. that I remember when that first came out, everyone was like, amazed by the trailer and they're like this looks awesome mm-hmm. and now it's one of those that people go back and they hate on now mm-hmm. but i i like that movie i think mm-hmm. it's very enjoyable of of the three that we pretend doesn't do not exist <laughs> that's the um, best one that, that's the least intolerable one the least intolerable one yes no, that no. is as far wow. as i'm concerned they huh. they do not exist Jeez. It just, <laughs> it's just mandalorian is the true sequel they, the, the mandalorian is pretty good yeah, they're they're Mandalorian is trying to fix those sequels. <laughs> right, they're, well, they're trying to. <laughs> we can't can't we just not just can't we just pretend that they never happened? <laughs> just pretend. <laughs> One person talked about pretending that that they had a Star Wars multiverse going on, ah, and that okay. those were those were the the darkest. That was the darkest oh. possible alternate universe. Mm-hmm. So then they were like, "Well, we can just we can just shift it over and say." It didn't actually happen in this universe, but in a different one, it could have. I, I Whatever like makes that. you feel better in your head, I guess. Yep, yep. That okay. is exactly. It should be decanonized. As far as I'm concerned, it's it's not canon. <laughs> Man, I like hit a nerve here. Oh, wow. yes. They are <laughs> vile. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Copper. Um, What's Trending is sponsored by Coleman Furniture Market because they have the latest trending in furniture. I want you to go to their Facebook page right now if you're looking for new furniture because they're always posting the latest inventory on their Facebook page and on their Instagram page. So anything that is in their showroom, it's available for you immediately to buy and they also have delivery options. So I've been to other furniture stores where you go in, you see something on the showroom, you say, oh, that's great. I want that. And they say, okay, we can get that to you in maybe six to eight months. And you're like, but I need it now. And they're like, up. Sorry, it's not available now. 
it's right there. I'm looking at it. No, 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 you can't have that one. That's not how it works at Coleman Furniture Market. If you see it on the showroom, you get it immediately. So go to their Facebook page, see some new stuff in their inventory. You can also check out their website, ColemanFurnitureMarket.com. But what you really want to do is take a short trip to Coleman, Alabama. It's in the heart of Coleman, Alabama, and go to Coleman Furniture Market in person. You'll end up buying furniture like I have every time I've been there. That's what you're going to do because they have great selection and great prices. Coleman Furniture Market, go today. And when you do, as always, you make sure to tell them Yaffe sent you. Got my closing thoughts in a moment here on the Yaffe Program. It's the Yaffe Program on WVNN. So yesterday for my clothing, blah, 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 my clothing thoughts, that doesn't make any sense. My closing thoughts, I was talking about how there was a new study out that suggested that uh, kids are failing across the country when it comes to history and civics, that they're worse than ever of students, K through 12 in the U.S. And I was saying, you know, Maybe we should actually teach more history and civics. I've been saying that for a while, that we are so focused on STEM and learning to code that we don't want to teach critical thinking, history, civics. And I suggested that really the main reason we have education is so we can participate in self-government. So later on, when kids become adults, they can vote or run for office and understand how our economic system works and how our government works. And where it all came from, how we got to this point. Here's the thing, though. It's true. Everything I said yesterday is true. But school choice might be the only answer. I know I I only mentioned school choice about this yesterday, but we have to be vigilant on this. Because now the left wants to use this to push critical race theory, the 1619 Project, And all that other stuff. So the U.S. Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, he commented on this yesterday, talking about scores in history and civics being very low. And he blamed book banning for the scores being so low. Now, the only books we're banning in schools are books that have like, it's like basic graphic pornography and talking LGBTQ stuff. Not really sure what that has to do with history and civics, but they're also talking about how we're banning critical race theory. Uh, Just a reminder of some of the stats, numbers indicated a dip of five points in U.S. history, reaching 258 on a point scale of zero to 500, and only 13% of students tested scored at or above the proficient level in the subject. Um, Civics scored on a scale ranging from 0 to 300, and it fell for the first time since 1998, dropping two points, 150. So Cardona says basically that this is because we're not teaching enough critical race theory and we're banning too many books. Do you see now why I support school choice? Some people will tell me, well, what we really need to do is just fix the public school system. Do you understand what the fix, the quote-unquote fix for this is going to be in our public school system? It's not going to be teaching who our founders really were, the roots of Western civilization, 
the good along with the bad in the history of this country. No, it's going to be teaching uh, that Washington was a slave owner. Thomas Jefferson was a slave owner. You could probably go on some college campuses right now, ask students, what do you know about George Washington? They'd probably say he was our first president and he's a slave owner. And that's probably all they would know. That's where we're getting in our country. And yet we have poor history scores, poor civic scores. I can't even imagine what people think about economics. And you realize that as long as Democrats are in control, especially, but the bureaucracy as a whole, their quote unquote fix for this is going to be teaching more critical race theory. They're going to be teaching the evils of capitalism. They're going to have the 1619 Project curriculum, which is a real curriculum. The Biden administration was offering grants to schools that were teaching the 1619 Project. So it's a real thing. I'm not just making this up. They say all conservatives are just making this issue up. No, that that was a real thing. That's what they're going to want. And then when you start saying, uh, we're not going to teach this in some of our schools. We're not going to teach transgender ideology to uh kindergartners we're not going to teach to hate america we're not going to teach these divisive concepts they're going to say that is why history scores are low that's what they're going to do so just be aware of that i I guess is the main point that I'm, i'm trying to bring to you today be aware of it this is why i push for things like school choice because even if we hear some of the quote unquote fixes for these problems in the public school Just so you know, because as a society, we have decided that you can't teach proper values in public school because a perverse view of separation of church and state. We've decided all public schools, government schools, you can't teach those kind of things anymore. The only way students are going to be taught those values is if they're in a private school. So uh, school choice. I feel like one day, come on, if I just speak it into existence enough, maybe it'll happen before my child turns five. I I don't know. I'm I'm not, I'm still not optimistic about that. Do want to tell you about the sponsor here real quick before we go automation personnel services. Um, If you are looking for a great job with great benefits, you need to apply at APSTemps.com today automation personnel services they are one of the top 100 largest staffing agencies in the country now sometimes people are a little worried about applying for a job at a staffing agency because they think they're not going to get benefits well at automation personnel services you'll be eligible for a great benefits package so there's really no excuse not to apply if you're looking for a great job now a part of that package is going to be one week paid vacation six paid holidays annually medical dental and vision coverage a 401k retirement plan a referral bonus program and they work with a wide range of clients looking for temp temp to hire and direct hire positions apply online apstemps.com or call or text them at 256-533-5627 walk-ins are welcome at their office on highway 72 west in madison when i talked to them recently they said they have a ton of positions open and available right now so if you're looking for a good job apply at apstemps.com today when you do tell them yaffe sent you all right i'll be back tomorrow at the same time see you then you're listening to yaffe on wvnn business has always been about turning a profit making money but can it stand for something more something beyond dollars and cents we think so 
We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more.